Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with Grammy-winning jazz drummer, producer, educator, and NEA jazz master, Terry Lynn Carrington. We talked to her on January 11th, 2022, about how she has been doing in this COVID world, her prosperous life in jazz, and what went into her latest and much-celebrated CD called Waiting Game. She has over 40 illustrious years in music. She's an NEA Jazz Master and three-time Grammy Award winner that started her professional career back in Massachusetts at 10 years old, becoming the youngest person to receive a union card in Boston. She's a prodigy and a huge influence over all things jazz in both America and the world over. Enjoy this interview. Hey, thank you for taking a minute out. It's an honor to speak with you. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you. You bet. So up front, I got to say, Kansas City got the soul exhibit down at the American Jazz Museum, and I saw your clip on the commentary on one of the TVs in there, and it's such a wonderful exhibit, such a wonderful way to celebrate the world of jazz. Oh, yeah, thank you. I uh, had such a good time just in that world. I had never done anything like that before, and working with the producers, directors, animators, and you know, I really was proud that they really tried to get it right. They didn't want to leave anything unturned. And I think that's really a, a good quality about Pixar. They do that with all their movies, so this one was no different. You, well, you could feel it when you got in there. I mean, everything from, I mean, the entire exhibit, the explanation of all the cities, the multimedia presentation, it was just a really, I've seen a lot of, traveling exhibits come through there from bird to you know all kinds of different celebrations and that one was something that was it was just different so it was great to see you in there and but you know the one thing i want to address with you first and foremost which is kind of the elephant in the room for the world is covid this has been there's been a lot of silver linings there's been a lot of adversity how have you been doing since march of 2020 to kind of you know get through this and see the good and what's happening sure I really feel really fortunate that I've been able to maintain a very heavy workload, which has helped keep my mind off of COVID, first of all. I think that's one of the things that I do. I bury myself in work. <laughs> so um, it just shifted to other things, and it naturally shifted. And I think it was the right time in my life, actually, for some things to be different. So I've been doing... Uh, consulting and A&R work and writing, uh, you know, like writing words, not, you know, music music as well. But, yeah, it's just been it's very interesting. I've been just as busy, if not more. So I, it makes me trust the universe that things tend to work out if you just stay committed and, and stay creative. That's what you do. And stay committed to your values. You know, the interesting thing, I think, coming from a jazz perspective is jazz musicians are constantly thrown into the unknown and you got to make something beautiful out of it. I think when COVID came around, if there was any group of artists that were probably molded for this moment, I would think the world of improv was probably the most uh, carved out for this. Sure. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think we're definitely prepared for these types of surprises, to say the least. (laughs) But uh, yeah, we were able to pivot uh, in you know pretty quickly, uh, most of us. So. And I, I don't want to actually sound like I, I don't recognize that there were many people that 
you know, were not able to pivot and that were even, you know, jazz musicians that just lost a lot of work and really had a hard time. So I know that uh, some people teach and had, you know, other things to fall back on and some people didn't. So I don't want to not acknowledge that. So before we depart this COVID uh, topic and move on, you know, this was a time of self-reflection. You know, even with everybody being busy, there was a lot of time to kind of look within and, and see what what's going on. Did you learn anything about yourself that maybe you didn't realize before that's going to make you stronger as we hopefully do emerge in this coming spring and summer and, and into 2022? Well, yeah, kind of what I was just saying, I realized that I'm going to be a creative person no matter what. I'm going to find a way to to continue my mission and sense of purpose, um, not just in music but in, in life. And I think that it really confirmed that for me, confirmed that I guess I am a workaholic. So, like, I wasn't 100% for sure before COVID, but then once COVID hit, I really realized that it's true. <laughs> You've gotten a lot of brass and a lot of recognition for the waiting game. And, you know, this was something that, that has to feel good, especially during this time we're all living through. It feels good because... It was a collaborative effort, and I think that was really important to me at this time and this stage uh, of my career. I really wanted to work with other people, and I've always wanted to be in a band. And this is really the first time that I felt that to the degree that I have with this band. And uh, that was very important to me, and I'm very proud of what we came up with together as a unit. You know, you've been in the music industry for 40 years. You've seen a lot of roads. And I'm curious, you know, you really started out as a child prodigy. And we always hear stories about when things happen really fast about an adjustment period in your life. When you look back on your life right now, how do you put that in perspective? Has that altered any way that you've taken your career trajectory? Or how have you kind of placed that into proper perspective? Oh, no, I mean, that was just my life, and I think I remained pretty grounded um, throughout just all the things that happened, all the wonderful things, all the uh, experiences that I had that a lot of people, you know, didn't have when they were kids. I think that I somehow remained grounded through it with the help of my parents and other people that, you know, were honest and supportive. Uh, you know, I didn't get full, you know, filled in my head with things that weren't real. And I basically just kept working at it, you know, kept trying to get better. I definitely, at a young age, liked the fact that I was doing something different. You know, I was doing something different than my peers in school. Um, I was getting attention for it. So that, I think, helped me stay with it because... I was being rewarded for working hard, and I kept doing it. And I, I think that that's really what's important with people when they start young, is that they, you know, one, just don't kind of start to believe the hype, but also uh, that they just keep improving and keep developing. And then after some years, we really know what's happening. And you've had some wonderful mentors, and you've been around legends that have probably really taught you a lot. Early on, what did Wayne and Herbie really teach you about being a musician and about, you know, just 
evolving as a musician. <laughs> Gosh, that's that's a lot. What did they teach me? So many things. Um, I think Jackie Jeanette was really my first big mentor. Other than my dad, he was really important through my development, keeping me honest. I can't, you know, not give my dad credit. But um, then when I was around 18, Jackie Jeanette was a big mentor of mine. And you know, same thing, you know, keeping me honest, you know, giving me more tips about life than music, but it's all related, and at the end of the day, it's kind of all the same thing. And even with Wayne and Herbie, uh, Wayne became a big mentor, uh, spiritual and musical, uh, not to to rest, you know, not to rest in what you've done that may have been good, but to keep moving, to keep growing and developing. Those, those guys, they... They weren't satisfied with what they did with just like the Miles Davis uh, quintet. That that would have been enough for most people for a lifetime. But they kept moving and kept developing and kept creating new things. And I think that's the biggest thing I've learned from all of them. So I'm curious, when you were younger, what was the first jazz show that you ever saw that really blew you away that made you think, I'd love to do that with my life? Oh, I don't remember. That would be impossible because I started going when I was five years old with my dad. So I, I you know, I'm told the first time I was on stage was uh, at five with Ross and Roland Kirk playing a tambourine. But I don't remember things from that far ago. So Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, but it was probably that, you know. Do you have any pictures from that? That would be a really cool picture. No, not from when I was five. I think the first picture I have... Uh, even it was with Rasan as well as when I was seven. So, you know, as I touched on before, you've been around for quite a while. And, and you know, that's a, that's a huge feat, I think, to, to, to have such a ever-present career that you've had and, and to do what you've done over your career. What's been, what's been kind of your key to longevity and staying relevant and timeless in what you do? Just to continue to grow and um, learn from our youth. I teach at Berkeley College of Music. I started an institute there, uh, Berkeley Institute of Jazz and Gender Justice, and I continually align myself with young people and uh, what what they're thinking uh, musically and socially. And yeah, I think most of us want want to remain relevant, uh, and I think the only way to really do that is to listen to the people that are coming behind you. So obviously, you know, looking at 2022, you know, you're looking at your itinerary and the possibility of getting out and performing live. Is there anybody on your radar that you would love to see live that you haven't in the world of jazz? Oh, wow. <laughs> I've never, I haven't really thought about that. And goodness, who would I like to see live? I mean, <laughs> that's, a, that's a hard question, actually. Uh, I'm interested in lots, lots of young musicians and people that are doing hybrid things um, and to see how they pull that off live. Uh, people like, like for instance, Casa Overall, who's in my band, or, you know, he's doing his own thing mostly now, though, and I would love to see his show because I want to see how he pulls off all the different elements, jazz and hip-hop and uh, playing drums and rapping and doing electronics and how he has you know, other people supporting him doing that. Melanie Charles, she's doing a lot of cool things uh, with that same type of hybrid. Um, 
you know, musically uh, just changing, you know, going through these different genres. So I'd love to see that live, too. I actually talked to Kassah last week. I love that album, Go, Go Grab Some Ice Cream and Listen to Jazz. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he's such a cool cat. Um, you know, as we've touched on, you know, there's been a lot of things that have happened in the world that's affected the music industry. But more specifically to jazz, how do you see the world, the jazz community, emerging stronger when everybody comes back? Well, I think everybody will have more to say, basically. Everybody will have experienced different things. Some of it we've experienced together. But everybody's also had their own personal journey through all of this. So I think there's a lot to talk about, a lot to express musically. So if you have a dream tonight and you run into your younger self, probably in your early 20s, and you could give yourself one piece of advice based on what you've learned throughout all these years. What would you tell your younger version? Ooh, uh, a lot of things. Uh, <laughs> I mean, one piece. Uh, I don't do well with the, the, you know, like, you're on an island, what's your only album? <laughs> you know, like gotcha. those types of questions. But, I mean, one thing, I guess, would be to develop a stronger practice routine because... I've never really had a strong practice routine since I left high school. I feel it now, like especially during COVID, because I haven't been playing so much. And, uh, so that might be one thing. Uh, to also think about going vegan a lot earlier. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, just, you know, take care of yourself. And I think one big thing would be to... To find uh, your mission and purpose maybe a little earlier because I think, you know, for me it's been more over the last five, I guess five to ten years that I've, you know, been more focused and I feel that before I was just concentrating on playing and developing as a drummer and musician and composer, Uh, but now I feel more focused and I wish that I had focused a little earlier because you know, I'm older now, and I wish I had had more time uh, with this kind of focus. So everyone has a perception of you, your family, your friends, your fans, your students. But ultimately, you live your life. You have a perception of yourself. Who do you think you are? Huh, um, I'm just somebody that is driven by uh, creative energy, by the arts, by trying to make the world a better place, one person at a time. or However, I can you know our our platforms you know, from just the stage to our you know social media platforms to our websites to our radio interviews. Any platform is sacred, and I think you have a choice of what you're uh, contributing to the world. And if you're not making the world a better place, then you know you have to look at that. Maybe maybe you're making it a worse place. I don't know. So. I think uh, that's what, you know, I see with with myself. Um, I'm driven by the work of uh, creating a, a better society. You know, justice and fairness for everyone is as um, <laughs> simple as that sounds or as complicated as that sounds. Beautiful. Terry, thank you for taking a minute after Neon Jazz. I appreciate it. Good luck as we move forward into 2022. Oh, thank you, and same to you. 
Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players and legends in Boston, Los Angeles, New York City, Kansas City, and spots all over the world, giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to Terry Lynn for her time, music, and cool. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store. Visit Neon Jazz at YouTube.com and for everything Neon Jazz all the time, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.